Welcome to a special mini episode on the road. I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Sam. You come closer, Sam. We all have very different accents. Mm. Why is this? Why is this? We all hail from different countries. And we are currently in Germany. What city are we in, Ryan? Tübingen, or as some like to call it, Toboggan. Toboggan. Uh, <laughs> if they can't say Tübingen. What are we close to? Well, we're currently close to each other, but... Um, Real close. We are <laughs> very close to Stuttgart. Mm-hmm. Close to Strasbourg, Zurich. West Germany? West, well, yeah, I mean... Uh, southwest? Uh, I mean, yeah, Western Germany. Western Germany. I feel like West Germany has a different connotation. Oh, correct. The GDR. But, but yes. Correct. And uh, what do you do here? Why, why are we here? Visiting Ryan. Visiting Ryan. That's Ryan me. is here. That's me. Yes, we all we all met each other living in Prague last year, the Czech Republic. Sam came down for a little visit. I joined him a bit later. And now we're, we're here. We're here. We're here. I'm, and I'm here, living here, mm-hmm. studying, um, because education is free here. You couldn't tell by my accent. I hailed from America. Um, America. And, That's very polite. And education is not free there. Mm-hmm. But it is free here. So That's good. Thank you, Germany. Where are you from, Sam? I am from England, the home of gin. The home of gin, exactly. Some might say it's Scotland, but meh. I mean, but is that a place? Oh. <laughs> Shots fired right there. Where in England are you from, Sam? I'm from, uh, I'm from the city of Bath. Mm. It's a very, very beautiful city. It's an old Roman city. It is an old Roman city with Bath. Uh, uh-huh. It's true. I've seen it with my own two eyes. And um, what's the the famous place with the the scones? The scones? Is it scones? No, the jam. The clotted cream is the famous place in which Bath. Is, which is a terrible name, clotted. Cream. You're talking about just like cream teas generally. I don't think it's a no, famous no, no. place in Bath. Oh, I know there's some famous cake place in Bath. Was it bath? I feel like, bath I feel, buns? I feel, bath but, buns are a thing. Maybe bath that's buns. Yeah, maybe that's what. Yeah, the buns. The buns. But, yeah, but when I was there, you told me the rock they cakes. Are they're like rock cakes. Not right? that good. I agree. They're not that good. Uh, so they're I like didn't a they're like a spiced there. enriched bun with a sugar cube baked into the middle. Oh, they're yeah, kind of weird. I don't know what I'm thinking of then. I just stick uh, to scones and gin. <laughs> scones aren't good. Can't go wrong. Well, yeah. Well, so here we are, three different people from three different backgrounds in Germany, enjoying a glass of gin. I know Sam is a bit of a gin connoisseur. connoisseur. Oh, look, self-confessed. But yes, I I endorse this. And so when I said I was coming here to visit Ryan also, Ryan suggested we drink some gin, and I suggested we record an episode. So it'll be interesting to have three different perspectives. Uh, tonight's gin of choice is... We've got the bottle here, 42. Orson's? Is Orson's the... I, think, I do believe that is the, the name. distillery? Uh, distilled in Germany, so we have a German gin. Uh, how would you describe this, Sam? You're the well. What, what makes a good well, gin for you? You've definitely drunk a lot more gin than I have. Yeah. Uh, Sam, as he said, he is from England, and uh, that's where gin comes from. It, it definitely smells. I like this gin. Like gin. I, I approve this gin. Uh, which is good because there are some Czech gins which do not oh. smell like gin. Yes, you may have heard in a previous episode. Nice. Um, the bottle is quite nice. It's kind of like a pirate aesthetic, like the rum. It's, it's almost yeah. like a, a ripoff of Hendrix. A bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> now, the, the clincher for this, though, is the price. 
that was my primary motivation for buying it. Uh, the taste was sec- secondary. Um, okay. I-, I think it clocked in at around six euro for six euros. a standard yeah. bottle. Forty-two percent alcohol. Is that why it's called forty-two? Ah. Oh. <laughs> See, he is a gin connoisseur. He's he's truly an so expert. So I've I've looked up this this gin on my gin app. Yes, I have a gin app. Which gin Ooh. app is it? <laughs> because I mean, you you need to verify your sources here. It is called Gin Ventry. Gin Ventry, it's an excellent app. I would recommend it. Well, we are fans of puns here, <laughs> so uh, Gin Ventry is listening. Shout out to that app. Woo. Available on iOS, maybe yes. on the Android store. I'm not sure. It's, yeah, certainly know. iOS. I'm not sure. It says an unexpensive German classic dry gin with classic juniper notes, gin. citric flavors, and hints of coriander and yeah, angelica mm-hmm. root, making this a rather earthy gin. Yeah. See, it sounds fancy because I don't know what angelica root is. This is green stuff. Oh. That you use to decorate cake sometimes. Oh. Yeah. He's also a resident cake expert. <laughs> what can I say? Uh, yeah, I definitely get that citrus flavor. Although we've kind of we've added we've mixed some citrus. things into it. We've got cucumber. As our garnish tonight, and also we use some bitter lemon, right? Bitter lemon. Why do we do that? Because we ran out because, of tonic. Yes. Oh, we ran out of <laughs> <laughs> well, this, and now rice goes straight from the bottle. All right. Can you taste the earthiness? How's that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How's that angelica root? Is it earthy? I mean, I the, I think the angelica root is uh, quite. That is there. I I would say in my vast experience with this particular root, it is there. Mm. Um, no, it's, it's kind of spicy. Uh, try it, try it straight okay. from the bottle. Try it straight. Like it smells. It, it's it peppery. Sp- it doesn't smell overly strong. No, it's certainly quite peppery, which is which is good. Oh, yeah, peppery. It's gonna. Yeah. Where so, something like mm. like beef eater, for example, it's just like I feel like it's just juniper. But this mm. this has a little bit more stuff going on. Bit, bit more complex. Mm. And all at six euro a bottle. Six Woo! euro a bottle. What's that equate to? About eight US, ten US these uh, days? Uh, with the Trump dollar? Like six pounds. <laughs> yes. Sadly, these days. I think it's. Uh, it's one, Is that all? Huh. It's it's one point. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay, it's about. Well, then in that case, we'd be about 10, 10 Aussie, maybe almost 12. Mm. Not bad, not bad. Orson's. What do you reckon? Sam, gin. What's your favorite kind of gin? What do you look for when you're drinking gin? How many juniper berries would you give this out of 10? <laughs> oh, Ryan's, Ryan's listened to it. So I have actually, I did actually rate this gin on my gin app. Mm. Oh. And, and on what? this gin app, it uses a, you can you can rate it from between, I think, 6 and six and 10 oh. for some reason. Wait, really? I don't know why that, they decided to do that. But they go up lot. in 0.1 decimal places. Yeah, yeah, they do. That, I give it 8.1. Eight point one, but it starts at six. That doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why. For, for, for Maybe this... to them it means there's no such thing as a bad gin. Oh no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Whiny millennials with their gin. Whoa. Um, actually, this app. So I can show you that I've, I've the ones I've rated in the past because one of my favorite gins is Hendrix. Hendrix is like a like a good solid. Mm, Hendrix is kind great. Of, kind of like. A go like a good it's, good gin. You it's know, like standard would you gin. say it's like the it's like the lower end of the high end? I would yeah yes. It's like the entry level without, high end without breaking the bank. It's like any higher from there. It's I don't know what I'm tasting really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just making it up. Ah. I can't. I can't. I, like 
Like, I like Hendrix quite a bit. Yeah. I, I can drink it mm. just with ice. Oh, Hendrix is so good. Shout out to Hendrix. One day we'll get to you. I guess I've never had a very expensive bottle of them. I like I like I like a citrusy gin. I like an aromatic gin. What do you usually have it neat or? No, does anyone have gin neat other than us? Probably just alcoholics. Yeah, alcoholics in Victorian London, I think. I I like Dorian Gray. Dorian Gray. I like it with, I think a tonic, can't go wrong, right. tonic, and the, the right garnish makes a difference. Cucumber, rosemary, rosemary is great, mm. cucumber is great, I, I, grapefruit is one, perhaps my favourite garnish. Grapefruit? Yeah. Pink or just regular? Yeah, I'd say pink, because it looks more exciting. Yeah, visually. I mean, you do want to appeal yeah. to all the senses. Definitely. So what's your highest ranked gin on your app? I'm just trying, I'm looking right now. So I recently bought one from Portugal when I went there recently Ooh. called Cherish Gin. Cherish? Cherish. Is that like share and cherish? I don't know. Is it, maybe it's Portuguese. No, that sounds Portuguese. It was an airport purchase. Um, oh, much like Josh's Tasmanian purchase in a previous episode. There we go. Mm. Shout out to Josh who isn't here tonight. Perfect place. <laughs> I mean, I'm on the lookout. He rest in peace. Did you meet Josh last year? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. He's a blonde guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did meet him. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one is like, the Cherish one is just like some from some random Portuguese mm. place. It's really good. It's nice. But to be honest, I, I like, I, I, yeah, I, li- I like gin. I like trying different ones, but I'm not like, I don't think there's a huge spectrum right. from like a bad gin. Like, mm. there's like a terrible gin, but then there's like, good enough to like incredible i don't think there's a huge spectrum necessarily right of of discernment that i can make at least it's not like you know you're really maybe uh, with beer not making a case for your gin Con- expert connoisseurship mm. but i mean beer has like, a wide I don't, spectrum yeah like i mean gin isn't like that you're right but then i guess i've never really tried one gin next to another very often right well i did go on one gin tasting once and it was that was fun yeah is that when you got the uh the golf club gin Yes, I went to this gin called, um, oh, can I even remember what it's called? But it was in St. Andrews in Scotland, and they used the inside of golf clubs to flavor their drinks. <laughs> it's called golf gin. So wow. St. Andrews is a place where oh, you mean like the, the origin of, like, the home of golf. It's the home of golf. They oh. used the inside of a golf club. They, like, shaved it up and put that in the infusing kind of chamber oh. or whatever. So is that some sort of oak or yeah. hickory or I think it's more like, like a... Like a it was only one of gimmick the, flavor. Only one of the things. <laughs> gimmick flavor. It's <laughs> just gimmick. Mm. I mean, I, hey, try, I, hey. I I had a sip of your your G and T when you when you made it, and it. I like, Orson's London Dry Gin Number Forty Two better than that one. I think. Okay. So. Well, maybe that's just because it cost you six euros. <laughs> well, you well, good. the sip that I had t- cost me nothing. <laughs> but yeah. in your mind, you had the anti. Sure, I guess I, I guess I built it up. Yeah. This I had like a six euro expectation. Yeah. And right. for like St Andrews Golf Club gin, I had. It's just kind of. Well, that expectation. It's like interesting. I mean, it's I, like the placebo. Ooh, it's yeah. Kind of like a placebo effect. You know what I mean? Maybe. I mean, I I, I wonder if gin is gonna try and diversify even more because it's so popular right now. Like, for example, at this place in St Andrews, they had a hopped gin they never had before. Ooh. But they infuse it with hops as well as botanicals. I really liked it, though my gin app didn't rate it very highly. <laughs> so maybe I'm just a fraud. Well, taste is subjective. Yeah, it's true. true. 
Awesome's London Dry Gin. I can't say I would expect Germany to have many gins. They're definitely no. a beer country. Yes. And a schnapps. Schnapps and beer. Uh, they make their Jägermeister quite well. <laughs> Primarily just uh, they make the Jägermeister company makes mm-hmm. Jägermeister. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's some knockoffs, which are also pretty yeah. good. Well, we know they make blue wine well. We've had a lot of blue wine today. True. Blue wine. Shout out to the Christmas markets. The various... Esslingen. Opswasser, the fruit brandies, which I personally think are the devil. But... <laughs> the devil. Devil. This whole continent is just a continent of functioning alcoholics. Hey. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers to that, boys. Cheers to that. So how many juniper berries out of five have we given it? I give it, you know, if we're taking into account cost and taste and yeah. enjoyment, I would yeah. give it three and a half to yeah, four. Yeah, I was gonna say three and a half to four as well. Yeah. I was gonna say four. Four. Yeah. So stay, just, stay solid, my four. It's like a three. It's a three and a half, but because of the price, it bumps up to a four. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike the the new build that I had from the Putravini, <laughs> I gave that a one. <laughs> that was terrible. Out of, out of ten, it was basically medicinal alcohol. <laughs> Except good. it makes you worse. So, I mentioned that we met each other in Prague. What were we doing there? Ryan, maybe you can start us off. What was I doing there? Um, well, uh, should I start from the beginning? Yeah, like, what's your story? Um, we're all about collecting stories. Well, I, I initially moved to the Czech Republic in 2012. Um, and I moved there for a job and in a town, uh, east of Prague that most people probably haven't heard of unless they're from Czech Republic. Even then, you're not guaranteed to know it. Um, shout out to Podjebrady. Or, as I like to call it, P-Brad. Uh, so yeah, moved there. From? Um, from San Diego, San Diego, California. California. So do San Diegans even know what the Czech Republic is? Um, no, but... They think they know what Czechoslovakia is. Mm. So, no, I think, I think it's a uh, well, it's hit or miss, really. But uh, I moved there, um, lived there for a year and a half, two years uh, before going back to the U.S. of A. Got married during that time. Nee, 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 nee. Shout out to Kiki. Hi, Kiki. Where's Kiki at, girl? Yeah, she's <laughs> in California at this moment. Eating dim Um, probably. Uh, but anyways, she, she and I were bored of the U.S. and we were uh, fed up with the high price of living and the well, the palm trees. Ugh. The <laughs> yeah, not my thing. Not really my thing. Yeah. Um, but it's just Southern California is is or most of California is unreasonably expensive, and um, we we didn't really like the idea of. Working so hard to rent a small place in a place that we didn't necessarily connect with the culture so much. So mm. uh, our way out was via via the east, mm. the east, um, east for us, rather the far east. central Europe. But, <laughs> um, uh, so we moved yeah, sure. to to Prague. Um, uh, we didn't necessarily know anyone in Prague when we moved. Obviously, I knew people. 
from Fodibrari before, uh, some of which who were in Prague, but most were not. Um, and uh, I got a job there teaching English, which I have been teaching English since 2009 um, in various forms. Uh, and she was a freelance and still is a freelance graphic designer. Mm -hmm. um, so living there, cheaper place to live, uh, a lot of interesting people. Mm -hmm. um, met <laughs> that's all, that's true. true. That's true. true. <laughs> met all met all y'all. Um, and yeah, that was that was cool. that was it. We spent one year in Prague before mm -hmm. moving to tubing in Germany. Tubing in Germany. What about you, yes. Sam? Did you want to escape the UK as well? Not specifically, more just I um, were, applied for a job in Prague and got it and therefore went there. So I'm a teacher. I teach at an international school and I was teaching in the UK. But like a, a real teacher, not not in, like an English teacher. I mean, I'm an English <laughs> teacher, but mm -hmm. I'm not. Ah! <laughs> yeah, I teach like, uh, like, oh dear, elementary school. I'm translating for my American friends. So <laughs> what would you say in Australia? Primary school. Good. That's what I would say too. Primary school. <laughs> um, I teach primary school and I was teaching... Shout out to Queen Elizabeth. Hey, hey. <laughs> um, and just wanted to change. We're teaching in the UK. Wanted to change. Found a job online. Applied. Got it. Cool. Went to Prague. Kind of random. But pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, both you and I have been there. Kind of longish two and a half years yeah i've been there i've been there three collectively three and a half four-ish almost yeah so what do you guys and, and what, what what is your story have oh you what is us, my story have you told us on a previous well, podcast i don't know i don't think how, i have what is your you? your international oh, story well i've had a bit of gin uh let me <laughs> let me clap my thoughts um i just um went to the czech republic as a researcher, so I worked as a PhD student. I worked as a PhD student Nerd. in uh, physics, and my professor knew the professor in Prague. And one of the main reasons I took the PhD actually was to, excuse me, was an opportunity to travel. And uh, it was cool when that actually happened. So I was there originally for like four months in 2011. And then my professor, one day out of blue, said, Dear Kevin, he's Russian. Dear Kevin, you live in Czech Republic three years. I was like, oh, where did this come from? And I was in 2013, no, 2012, end of 2012. And then beginning of 2013, I moved to, to Prague, the Czech Republic. Uh, that was my first time living out of home, actually. Did you know that? I don't know if you no, I didn't. Wow, yeah. that's so big, I, big step. Yeah, I lived at home. Grew up in Wollongong, south of Sydney. Went to school there, went to university there, local university. And my first move out of home. Most people go to Sydney or maybe stay in Wollongong, but I went to Czech Republic and sort of um, became a man, as they say. Um, <laughs> can, can confirm. In what way? <laughs> Meaning I learned how to do laundry and cook. Yeah, cool. Um, you mean I kept you it. cook, you mean... Make instant noodles. Make instant noodles. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, I've, I've, I've had a couple things that he made that were good. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then I was there for a few years and uh, went back to Australia this year. And then I uh, got a little, got bit by the Europe bug. 
and kind of have a mind couldn't to stay away. yeah couldn't but, stay away but can you define the europe bug because i feel like the the normal europe bug for mm. people in our age range is different than what we are doing <laughs> do you mean like contiki tours and stuff like that uh, i i'm not entirely sure what that is but uh, like pub crawls and yes yeah we're just like oh, just, just gotta get back to europe oh my gosh <laughs> Like wow. I went on there. I went. I went and like backpacked for like a week or was it two weeks? I you really found yourself. Right? I just really found myself. Uh, and I just, I just gotta go back. Okay, yeah, we definitely don't do that because um, we're old and jaded. We're drinking gin. We're drinking inside gin. Inside, in our pajamas. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in a sleeping bag right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing sweats. Um, well, the the Europe bug, I think. Well, coming from Australia is really interesting because we're so far away from everything, and like you said. That Europe bug is like, go travel, you have fun, you party, whatever. And Australians do have a reputation for traveling a lot. It's almost a stereotype. Well, it is a stereotype. Well, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that's due to several reasons. Like, our, we get a lot of holidays compared to Americans. Um, our minimum wage is really high compared to Americans. Um, and I think it also has something to do with maybe like an isolation complex that we're so far away from everything that it's like, we have to go see the world, you know? Uh, whereas... Uh, you know, a lot of people that I meet in the UK have never been to Europe because it's like, it's almost, I mean, would, would you say the same? Like, would you have friends who have never been to Europe, Europe? Yeah, I definitely have friends who've never been, we would say to Europe mm. because then we are part of Europe. As we know, we don't see ourselves as part of that. So For now. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, because we identify more with Australia and with America in some ways. Mm. Because of the language, yeah, and the yeah, a lot of things. <laughs> the what? The I, I had a train of thought, and then the gin was like, <laughs> oh, like no. it, it stepped no. in front of me and this pushed is... me out of the way and got on the train. And this is why I love doing this. Um, <laughs> but do you, what do you think the Europe bug is, Sam? Because for me, I think one of the big things is the isolation complex in Australia. When you come here, you know, I caught a bus this morning. Within six, seven hours, I was like in a completely different country, completely different. Um, language culture um and we're like we're quite close to the swiss border like we just jump the border mm. and be another di- well i don't i mean swiss are pretty they control things pretty oh, well yeah okay <laughs> well let's say um luxembourg then sure <laughs> and you know that's in you drive six hours in australia you're, you're in the same state still and everything kind of looks the same yeah i think yeah. because i think for the uk people in the uk like we're a small country so you drive six hours you have run out of land almost in some directions, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, um, like, I think for British people, Europe is like this, for some people, it's the place to go on um, a bar crawl, as many people come to Prague for, or it's the place to go on a beach holiday. Um, I think people really appreciate the cheap flights that are just, like, everywhere mm. in Europe now. Um, Shout out to EasyJet, Jet2, right now. Wizz Air. Wizz Air. Please, please give us money. <laughs> um, but I, I think, I think people, I think like my Europe experience is more like I just want to experience a different culture. Mm. And you know, fortunately for me, thank you EU. <laughs> I didn't even need to get a visa to move to Prague. I could just up and move there. You mm. know, for now. For now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I want to play some um, Royal Britannia right now. 
Well, that's Amer- cool. and, America I mean, elected Trump. Okay, it's not just us. You're welcome. You're no longer the the biggest idiots. Australia's going right, keeping the balance. But they are. Um, America's number one in something. But you recently renewed your contract. Yeah. So you obviously like staying there. So what what is life like? You know, living as a I don't know what we what we say a foreigner migrant expat expat, expat is like the white person version of a migrant. Mm-hmm. We can work with that. <laughs> oh, wow, that's interesting. I know about that. Yep, right? right? I like I'm that. brown, I'm yellow, so I, I know I know this. I know this is I like that. I think I'm gonna take that. It's it's true. There's, 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 I'm gonna say I'm an immigrant. I'm an immigrant. There's heaps yeah. of uh, essays and op eds about that online. Wow. Mm. Expat. If I'm white and living in another country, I'm an expat. Yeah. But mm. if I'm brown in another country, I'm an expat culture mm. is a whole thing of like mm-hmm. we don't engage with the culture at all, we just hang out with our international friends and Yeah. Or, like that's a stereotype, but like that um, is true to an extent. Disclaimer though, expat has like a distinction that's usually temporarily living overseas. That is true, isn't yeah. it? But anyway, your experience. You obviously mm. wanted to stay longer. What is it like living in another country? Well, for one thing, I do really enjoy working in the school I work at. Um, I've had opportunities that I might not have got in the UK. The UK education system is like I mean I I, I am a believer in state education so I, I while also recognizing that state education is pretty hard at the moment to be a part of in the UK it's pretty stressful teacher retention is low um, and you know I just love the opportunities to travel and to <laughs> to travel and experience a different culture and for me live in a city in an inexpensive city you know there's lots of different reasons oh, why damn straight Prague is <laughs> you know like I, I was considering moving to london or moving to prague you know and literally in london it would have cost me i would get paid about the same amount and i would be it would cost me like three times right a minimum you know for living expensive so there's lots of things that make prague attractive um, How have you found living in a country that speaks a different language, like yeah. a, a Slavic language as well? Because I feel, you know, French or no, Spanish, you could sort of figure it out yeah, as you go. Yeah, I, I learned French in school, so I didn't learn Czech in school. Yeah. I mean, well, that would be weird. Who does? All right, boys, I'm going in. Listen up. I think it's, 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 it's a good, it's a really good experience. You're getting a gin shot. <laughs> Nazdravi. <laughs> it's a good experience right living in a country with a different language because you're like oh crap it, it stresses you easily yeah. understood stretches you not stresses you. or does stress you but also stretches you i mean i think i'm for- we're fortunate that in prague actually most people now who need to speak english you know mm. like it's not hard to get by not knowing the language and yet at the same time it's a good challenge to learn i mean i don't need it for my job which is very unmotivating mm. yeah when you spend eight nine hours a day yeah, around. But it's like Ryan, you you needed it. You were like in Czech culture, right? So you just yeah, um, kind of immersed. Yeah, when when I didn't live in Prague, uh, most of the people I interacted with every day were were Czech, um, and obviously I did not move there speaking Czech, so I learned it um, by asking questions and going to pubs and things like this and. Being in that particular situation enabled me to learn it a lot better than the average 
the average down. migrant in the Czech Republic. <laughs> um, yeah, I, like I excuse me, I in my entire time living in the Czech Republic, I met only a few people who spoke Czech better than me, but it's not like my Czech was super duper awesome. Mm. Um, yeah. Probably only like B one level. So what is that like? Ryan is a linguist, so he low, <laughs> low, low, low intermediate. intermediate. Okay. Uh, depending on how many beers I had, intermediate. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> I found out that after a night out in in the Uber home, yeah. I'm like finding about his family, yeah. how long he's been an Uber driver for, yeah. um, what day job he has. Because I've had some beers, yeah, and you lose that inhibition. Yeah, kind of like now, I've had some gin. And some glue vine. And some glue vine. Yeah, we also have glue vine. Feeling a little bit um, happy. It's good. It's good. It's a good spot to be. Good spot to be. Glad is the heart of man. Glad is the heart of man. Shout out to the Bible. (laughs) 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 Uh, But but learning learning the language of a place where you live in, if it is not your home country or culture, Mm -hmm. it definitely enriches the experience. And I know some people are not... (laughs) Uh, gifted in learning languages. Yeah. Uh, some people find it interesting and it comes naturally and some others, uh, it's it's a struggle. And mm. they, they don't have this kind of mindset. Just like how yeah. some people are good at math and some people have to work a little bit more. Yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, even just attempting to learn some of it um, can really give you a uh, sort of like a huge side, a picture of the huge side of the culture um, helps you better understand people, uh, their background, their mentality. Yeah, definitely. Um, and from there, you can dive into deeper things like, yeah. like the humor of the culture and the the assumptions that are made, whether they're historical, political. Yeah. Um, you can kind of take part in Philosophical also. Um, and, and also, if you want to really be ingrained in the culture, in a place like Prague, most people speak English. Uh, but that doesn't mean, to some degree, but that doesn't mean that they are comfortable speaking English. Oh, yeah. So I know a lot of people, um, if they're around people who are who do not speak their language, whether mm. it's Czech or here, Germany, but Germany's a little bit different, um, they they feel like they have to speak English. Mm. Like it's rude if they, if they speak a language that, not everyone understands, but it stresses them out. Mm. So it, it changes social dynamics a little bit. That's interesting. But it's um, it's so true when you say, when you learn about a language, you learn more about the culture and how how they think also. is like, because language, linguistics, is at the root of who we are almost. It's like, how you think is what language you're in. Oh my gosh. Sure, the gin. <laughs> <laughs> what what language you're in? Well, there there is there is um like I mean what what makes us different than than animals? Um, right. like there are other animals that uh, are at least partially bi bi bipedal bipedal. Um, hmm. e- either way, <laughs> either way, it sounds can like... walk real good on two feet. Um, <laughs> there are other animals that can climb trees and swim yeah. and run, but uh, there's no other animal that has uh language to the gr- to the degree or mm. i mean saying that some animals might have languages completely debatable but dolphins 
communicate. Yeah, it's, it's debatable about what the language is, but there's actually uh, a lot of research that looks well, into yeah. what came first, thought right. or language. Exactly. That's what I was trying to say when I got hey. confused. Ooh. Because um, like, uh, language is such an, a crucial part of thought um, uh, that even in our head, we, we, we process things in words exactly. and there's no um, way around it if you think back to you know ancient man um in little hunter-gatherer yeah, yeah. societies um if they had a thought mm. that was beneficial for the group as a whole um it wouldn't actually have any sort of evolutionary benefit to the group unless they could communicate it in some way right um so and, and you see in a lot of animals, they have these sort of basic rudimentary ways of communicating, whether it's apes or certain birds, whatever it is. Um, but uh, humans broke through that barrier. Right. And then as a result, needed more complex language, more than just simple, simple kind of Grunt tokens and... to mean yeah. a specific for a specific situation and then grammar form to make things mm. even easier. Mm. Um, pretty interesting kind of It is really topic. interesting. I have a I have a question. As we so like we were we were mentioning like how how um understanding someone's language and it helps them understand their culture, understand their situation. We are all from different English speaking countries. Right. So do we have the same language? Oh because I think I've realized I've realized having lived having lived for several years now in a community which is I say predominantly American. Yeah, I'm sorry. But mixed English language culture. You know, there's a lot I don't understand about American psyche culture. It's true. He saw the Christmas story the other day and he hated it. Honestly, the message of that movie, if you're naughty, you get a gun, right? That's what I took from it. But he shot his eye out, so he got what was coming. It was funny. Anyway. Back to my serious question. <laughs> Sorry, spoilers. I've never seen a Christmas story. Don't watch Australian. it. Plan. Don't watch it. Don't plan on it either. No, don't. Um, it's just like the the similarities are there. Obviously, most of the language is the same, but does it ref- it reflects quite different cultures? I don't know. I don't. Was it, is there a question well, in there? I don't yeah, well, I, your your initial question was: Are they different languages? Yes. Ooh. Well, yeah. what makes a language different than another language? Well, you have the the syntax. Are they like, the for example, like syntax. Danish and Norwegian, who they can understand each other partially, mm. but they're different languages? Well, Spanish and Portuguese. They Spanish can, and Portuguese. Oh, well, actually, a better one is Spanish Italian, right? Spanish. I don't know. Um, I think I was in I was in Valencia with my Italian colleague once, and he said he could understand. No, they could understand him, but he couldn't understand them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was an accent thing or the speed thing. But also, makes... also, I mean, with a place like Spain and Italy, you have Spanish and Italian, but it's not quite so simple. Right. You have the dialects there, even here in Germany. Where you yeah, go of course. Bavarian from... and whatever. But even in Bavaria, there's still so completely our, different our dialects. So language is dialects of English. And are dialects separate languages? No. Well, I don't know. You're the linguist. Well, it's, it, I mean, <laughs> it, there is some debate on the topic, but <laughs> well, it just comes it's semantics, though, isn't it? Or is it actually? 
like like the the study of semantics or are you saying that it's like it's you're, like you you are calling a semantic argument yeah okay because <laughs> semantics is a completely different study oh no um sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> wow no i think we are all speaking english obviously yeah. Yeah. but there is a certain layer that gets lost and i think a, a very obvious and it is actually important but we don't think it's important a very obvious part of our communication gets lost across American, British, Australian, English, and any other sort of second English um, is humor. Mm. A lot yes. of humor gets lost yes. um, across this dialect barrier, if you want to call it that. Um, especially like, is like even this weekend, I had an Aussie mate visit Prague, and he was so happy to see me because. He's living in Belgium. He's been sick of European humor. <laughs> he, he, he's been in Belgium for the past six months and he's like, man, why is everyone so serious? <laughs> um, even that video I just watched before, that yeah. Aussie Christmas um, Christmas Carol by shout out to Auntie Donna. Um, they were like, everyone's really laid back. Like just taking a yeah. piss out of everything. Hmm. And, um, and then people always discuss the, the difference between British comedians yeah. and American comedians. I, I I wouldn't say that that's a factor of of the language because if I, well, if Sam here sees a Christmas story, um, you understood every word in that movie. Yeah, that's correct. True. You understood the meanings, but there's but other. I didn't things. understand the culture because you I feel like that movie culture. was based on a culture that is very different from mine. Exactly, which makes it a good movie to Americans, but didn't make me enjoy it. Yes. So does culture shape language, or does language shape culture? Well, that's the same thing you're saying as a thought. Well, because <laughs> language shape thought. Because um, there is there's actually there are studies done that for people who are multilingual, hmm. uh, let's just keep it basic. Bilingual people, like fluent in both native tongue and second language, they actually do display two different personalities. I'm talking about code switching. Sure. What is it? Code switching. Code switching. Yes. Sure. Um, and there are studies done that actually have proof that for people who are bilingual, they have two different personalities for each language. Mm-hmm. And even like Vendi, like, um, um, oh, 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 oh. um, this girl I'm seeing at the moment, <laughs> my significant other, um, she says when she speaks in English, uh, she's Czech, when she speaks in English, she ha- she has a different she feels different than when she speaks in Czech. How oh, interesting! Yeah, and a big part of that she says is like the humor. Um, like she would she's like making jokes all the time in Czech and just like not serious and just like keep sarcastic. But in English, um, and she speaks heaps good English, perfect English. Lived in America for a little bit. Oh, probably better than me. Probably probably understands grammar better than us. <laughs> well, well, definitely understands grammar better than us. Um. And like, so even just anecdotally, you have people saying, I feel different when I speak different languages. Do um, you feel different when you speak German? Um, well, um, hey, my, feel- my, my German is, is, is okay. Uh, I would say B2 level, um, <laughs> solid B2. Um, but I'm going to put, I'm gonna uh, put and, up and, some and, links to this grading I've, system on our blog. <laughs> so, so that's like. High, intermediate, approaching, advanced. Um, and the the advanced mark is you are fully functional, can take courses at a university just fine, and Ooh. all this this kind of stuff. Right. Um, 
but uh, when I, I speak German, I wouldn't say that it is such a huge difference. Um, I'd say that the main thing for me and other people that speak the language at the level that I do is that there is a barrier that you want to impart some personality, yeah. but it can be difficult That's because true. you... You don't, you don't actually have the, have the skills, not yeah. because of a personality thing, but you don't actually have the skills. There's a barrier. So, yeah. so I think definitely I would be perceived differently yeah. if somebody hears me speak German and then um, hears me speak English. Um, but but this 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 topic of code switching is easy, and right now we're just talking about code switching between mm. uh, bilingual or multilingual right. uh, language speakers. Um, but uh, something something else that's that's interesting, specifically with the language side, um, uh, there are, I would say, like three different group, groups of people I meet for for this uh, this example here. Now I'm decent in Czech, better in German, fluent English speaker. Um, there are some people who I pretty much only speak Czech to, mm. um, and. If I hear them speak English, it's just it's it's weird. It doesn't sound mm, right. Right. And same same for them. Same thing with German. There's people who uh, I've I've never heard speak English, mm. and they've never heard me speak English. Um, and then, I like just the other day, I heard someone who I had never spoken English to uh, speak English to me, and it was like it was almost like I was talking to a different person. Mm. Um, but but in that case, like her English wasn't super super good. Right. Um, so I think it was more of a perception thing yeah. in that case. And but there are, um, like, people who are multilingual. If they meet in a certain language, you get to know each other in a certain language. It's very hard to change out, out from that, that. switch out of that because because so, you so kind crazy. of like attach yourself. Yeah. Or attach that language to that person. To that person. I don't have any sort Whoa. of scientific backing. This is purely anecdotal. That's crazy. That's pretty mm. cool though. And then you. Wow. Mm. Right. Interestingly, Tolkien was a linguist. Lord of the Rings. Saxon, right? And uh, he was a big fan of creating languages, obviously. Elvish. What a nerd. <laughs> um, what was that one? Black speech. What Sauron spoke. Oh, yeah, true. And one of his m- motivations, actually, for creating Middle-earth, he started with the languages. Mm. He started with crafting what elvish would sound then like. he made the culture afterwards exactly because he was of the school of thought that the language is in shapes and is indicative of what that culture is now 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 you're now now you're you're talking a lot about how you think language the actual language affects the culture which i think think there is some merit to that yeah but um going back to code switching code switching is not just um a lingual difference right um, a famous famous example of someone who code switches quite easily and is quite apparent is the um, the current president of the United States, <laughs> president elect Barack W. Obama. Okay, no, no, no. I, his he <laughs> does not. He is just name. always an How asshole. How does he code switch? Uh, Barack Obama. Wait, wait. Can I guess? Language? Can I guess? Yes. Um, when he's speaking to white people. Yep. And speaking of black people, mm, yep, is that it? Yes. Um, is that code switching? Yes. Um, it's it's a cultural cu- it's cultural, a cultural thing as well. Code. So that's what language. You, 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 you can go on YouTube right now yeah. on your mobile devices. Um, 
and you can uh, thanks, you, you can just look up Obama code switching. Right. Um, and you may find some Key and Peele videos in there uh, where they make fun of this. And it's pretty funny. Um, but you'll see him like shaking hands with like old white men. And he's he's his presidential self. Yeah. Um, uh, like the, the one that you see in press conferences. Well, right now he's starting to not give a fuck, but um, <laughs> which is pretty fun to watch uh, excuse um, me ryan where mark clean lyrics on on itunes so please uh, watch your language i'm sorry <laughs> um uh not give a hoot um so uh but then he like in, in this particular video i'm thinking of he's shaking hands with white old people and then um he goes to shake hands with uh some i think it was an nba right uh Basketball player, yeah. basketballer is that is that what you call them? <laughs> I don't. I don't. You are the American. I'm not you a, should know. I don't. Yeah, 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 know, I don't know sports sports very well. Um, basketball. but you you see him. You, his like whole body language changes. Mm. He like does sort of like the the, the, bro, the bro, bro hug yeah, and yeah, like yeah. does some hand thing and like <laughs> kind of like he's moving a little bit more fluid. <laughs> And then, like, you are so then, white right now. I'm super white. <laughs> but then he goes to the next person, which is an old white guy, and you just see it in instant switch. Um, and so you think and he does this in his in his speech too. Um, oh, you can actually find the videos where, switches. yeah, the his his accent cadence. Um, so do we all code switch? Well, I definitely do, but that's because I'm a parent. I'm a parent. Oh, shocking! Twist. <laughs> Bombshell! I am a child of immigrant parents. And so I'm already a third culture by default. So I switch all the time. I'm used to that. I mean, I am I just, not... I've never had a word for it, code switching. I mean, like, I obviously would say that when I'm with my parents, my family, looking forward to going for Christmas right now, so thinking mm. about, like, how I would be with them in, you know, my house I grew up right. in, I'm going to act very differently to how I would act with you guys right now. Ooh, does that count? Does that count as code switching? That's more social. social. I don't know. I, like, social. I don't know the exact definition. I mean, because if I mean, because we could say that obviously, like the, the British, Australian, American, if we're saying maybe the dialects of English, Czech, German, oh, okay, well, then English. surely like Black American and White American would also be oh, dialects of English. Hundred percent. Ebonics is a thing, man. What? 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 Ebonics. It's yeah. It's a dialect. It's how African Americans speak. It's, it actually has um, has grammar. Gra gra yeah. Exactly. It grammatical has, rules the yeah yeah just like any other language but you would but you it's still english i could still understand yeah, a black yeah, yeah, person yeah. at least in the majority of what they say well look at london slang for example yeah <laughs> um so there's this video i was talking about it before that went viral last week this kid who was reviewing fried chicken shops in london Jeez. and all the comments were like does anyone understand what this kid is saying because he's speaking english but there's all this slang thrown in Right, like which is very typically London slang. Right, I even had trouble understanding it. Mm. Um, but does that? But slang is completely different again, right? To what uh, we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, slang is different depending on your. I mean, like people use different slang depending on their hobbies. Yeah, like mm. uh, their hobbies. And, and, like yeah. So for example, um, another. Uh, friend of ours who is who is American that may listen to this podcast. Um, uh, both Kevin and I started going to the gym with him, um, and he he uh, he he is 
he is of the type that regularly goes to the gym where we are not we we are not well you are now not. i am now you are now i am because of him getting getting big is that the correct word swole getting getting no. getting getting swole, getting swole getting af swole. excuse me i stand corrected <laughs> um so like even in that situation um when i was learning how to lift weights from him he would say something i don't like never remember. i don't i never remember but he would like say a full sentence like, "Well, I understood every word you said, but I don't understand what you mean. Like, right. I don't know these things." So that's that's slang. That's not a dialect necessarily. No, no, no. But it's just different slang. That is different slang. So, so how different. different does it have to be before it becomes code switching then? Before it becomes changing your personality or, or your approach? I don't know. Maybe I should Google it. Because I <laughs> I feel like I do. Like obviously this is a minor thing, but like when I go home, people are like, "Oh, you sound American." Yeah. British people think I sound American. It's true. I've I've heard an old person at his church say this to him. <laughs> it's true. So and like like people make fun of me for it. Um, I'm sorry. Um and, but then very quickly over the course of a summer, perhaps at home, I would reset my accent. Like I've seen that happen. Yeah. So, I'm I am adapting my accent just because I'm because of exposure. Yeah. Or is it actually cha- I'm actually changing my personality or the way I speak? Maybe to adapt to the community that I'm in. Ooh. And, I, and I feel like there are lines that I wouldn't cross. One, for example, is y'all. I would never say that because that is such an overt American word. So it's not part of my dialect, use. but I like the word, so I choose to use it. Yeah, like, so like, as <laughs> Southern Americans I know use y'all all the time. I'm never going to use that because if I did, they would be like, what? You Whoa, you know, that's yeah, weird yeah. for you to say that. But for me to say bathroom rather than toilet... I've just started doing that all the time because it's so much easier. Because toilet mm-hmm. makes Americans uncomfortable, apparently. Just a little bit. Oh, does it? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, oh. toilet, you're mentioning the place where I actually poop. Not, so, the, not the bathroom. Because the bathroom is like, oh, that's, oh, that's more bathroom. mysterious. Yeah, or the restroom, which is even more removed from the actual thing that goes on there. Oh. The, the word toilet still makes me feel uncomfortable. Really? Yeah. Oh, even, after, Ryan. Like, even after like something like four what, years of... What about the shitter? <laughs> no. No. Uh, excuse me. This is labeled as a clean podcast. Oh, that's that's, that's not a that's not a swear word in Australia. Oh, actually, oh. nothing is a swear word in Australia. So oh. we're all good. I apologize okay. for calling you out before. I accept your apology. <laughs> so those are very subtle ways that I've changed. I've changed my language to adapt that's, to the community I find right. myself. But hmm. that obviously is a very small scale compared to learning a full different language. You know. Guys, I just drank a cucumber. I drank a cucumber. I just, <laughs> I just ate a cucumber soaked in gin. <laughs> it's not good, is it? It's oh, it's <laughs> I really tried, tried it the other day. It's not good. <laughs> um, I uh, I found something interesting on the um, the collection of all knowledge known to humankind. Wikipedia. That's it. Um, about code switching. Um, shout out to Jimmy, the founder of Wikipedia. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm. Go go donate to them. <laughs> make make the banner go do, away. Do you donate words or like actual money? Money. Oh really? Yeah, they need money. They need money. Yeah. Okay. This is yeah. Yeah. I know about yeah. yeah. They're advertising. Yeah. They survive oh, on donations. They're nice. Okay. Um, but uh, well, it's, it's quite long, so I'll pull pull out the good parts. Uh, code switching Sorry. is distinct from other language contact phenomena, okay. such as borrowing, pigeons, creoles, loans, loan translation. Oh, pigeon English and creole English is so interesting. It is really interesting. Um, some people labeled. I was reading the other day. This this I need to look into. Labeled uh, 
the New Zealand variety of English as a pigeon, which I thought Shut was up. very strange. Maybe, maybe in some dialect, I, I, I was that's, like, this can't be, this, this can't be right. That's so patronizing to New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and it was, we were having this discussion in the class and uh, one of my classmates points out like, isn't there someone from New Zealand in this classroom? And my girl raises her hand. <laughs> like, she's like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but anyways, uh, borrowing affects the lexicon, the words that make up a language, while code switching takes place in individual utterances. Speakers form and establish a pidgin language when two or more others, blah, 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 about pidgin languages. Um, oh, this was interesting, though. But it makes, I mean, I, I totally see that this happened. And still is happening, probably. In the 1940s and the 1950s, many scholars considered code switching to be a substandard use of language. Since the 1980s, however, most scholars have come to regard it as normal, natural, as a normal, natural product of right. bilingual and multilingual language use. So right. this is specifically talking about the linguistic side of it. Um, mm. So, yeah, that is. But I'm, but but I, yeah, I don't know if like us living in a country that is not our home country right. or the country where we're originally from. Yeah. Um, like, I definitely do change the way how I speak living here. Yeah, but that's just because you lack um, the vocab and the... Yeah, but but I, I tailor my language so that people who are not fluent can or understand. native speakers yeah. of English um, can easily understand whether it's taking out uh, phrasal verbs or yeah. um, idioms, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Making my enunciation clearer. Clearer. It's a hard, that's a hard problem for Australians. We don't enunciate anything. Sure. Yeah, you make your vowels soda, really soda. long. <laughs> Sorry, it's my favorite story. So, soda? Do you have any soda? Or cider? Oh my gosh. So, yeah, see, I almost heard the same thing. Can produce almost. much confusion for Czech waitresses. <laughs> so good. So yeah, that's... Um, what are you... What, any concluding remarks on living as an international language-wise, cultural-wise, international-wise... I think living as an international, whatever that means, living in a different country, a different country, perhaps, is a very positive experience. In, I think, in my yeah. experience, that is true. I think you might not find yourself, but you learn stuff about, you know, definitely other people. understanding other people and different other worldviews. Yeah, yeah. I think it's especially interesting at this current time. Yeah, correct. I think it's um, more important than ever as. So it's interesting for me being here. It's it's nice being here because in Germany, in, oh, in Germany, in in Europe, away oh, from Europe? the United States, because right. I, I look over at the U.S. and looks like it's on fire. Do you think it's going backwards? Um, is is he really that bad? Uh, yes, yes, I think he is actually that bad. <laughs> um, I think people have to be real careful and watch him very well. Um, I'm, I'm naturally an optimistic person, um, and it's really hard for me to be optimistic about the situation. Uh, yeah. But, um, I mean, some of the things that he said in his platform, I, I can agree with. Right. Uh, things like getting the um, negative establishment out of government right. and um, bringing jobs back and bringing things back to the hands of the workers. Yeah. <laughs> but you see when he makes his... Uh, cabinet uh puts together his cabinet who has a net worth that is more than one third of 
all American households. It's hard to believe that it's going to work out super well. Nee, 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 nee. But is is this the conclusion, or are we? Are we no, 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 keep going. Are we doing this? Good. We... Let's do this. Part two. <laughs> Round two. Fight. I think I, yeah. I, obviously, looking at Trump from a European perspective is very interesting. And I think I've learned, this is one thing about American slash British culture that I've learned a lot about is like the political difference, right? Mm. Is that, you know, the, the European politics on the whole, you know, is left of American politics. British politics is left of American politics. Um, and that can be like awkward when you're talking to Americans, mm. I find. Not because... Like, one assumption I think is really interesting that lots of Americans have is that every British person loves Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> and it is categorically untrue. She is one of the most unpopular, divisive figures in British politics. Yeah. And yet, Americans who... Actually, Americans who I know, I've known who are pretty left-leaning generally in their politics are like, oh, but you guys love her, right? Because she was cast in this kind of golden Reagan-era Reagan yeah. glow of... Everything was working well and, you know, things were going forward and, you yeah. know, progress was being made. Reaganomics. When actually Reaganomics. The, the, the hurt that Margaret Thatcher called, caused to, you know, to heavy entry in the UK, to privatise, like, by, she did lots of privatising of stuff in the UK, which is... Didn't she screw up for Scotland? She screwed up Scotland really bad. And she's privatised privatized loads of stuff and it's still kind of... Uh, yeah, like, the the after effects of it are still felt today. You know, and you've got half the country being, you know, celebrating when Theresa May is a, is the new prime minister because she's the new Thatcher, and mm -hmm. that like strikes terror into the heart or produces anger in the other half of the nation. Right. So I mean, we're very divided, but like it's it's interesting that America is ha has a view of the UK and we have a view of America, which is like we obviously like hi Hillary Clinton, she's great. Why would you not elect her? And then I have Americans saying she's evil. Yeah, and I'm like I literally can't understand that. And I, I recognize part of that is my lack of understanding, my removedness from it. Right. Well, I mean, but, you could probably find some really good information on Breitbart News about her. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't tend to go Shout there. Shout out to Steve often. Bannon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. So I think there's lots uh, of misunderstanding. Like, and I think I mentioned this earlier on, like, that like the language is one of the only things that's similar, I think, between specifically American and British huh. culture. Mm. So the point is one of the only things that's similar. Yeah. I think the similar. I think Australia and the UK are more similar because of historical, yeah, yeah, more yeah. recent historical links. But like, um, yeah, like I, that's really interesting. Like, to me. Uh, I've I'll, learned that. A lot I feel like that. American culture try. A lot of American culture is built on being the anti-Europe. Oh, like okay. like USA number one. But you're not all... like those. Open borders, over there. open border, socialistic. Yeah, Europeans. social has such a loaded word. People think it means communism. But for like a lot of America's history, right, there has been an open border, right? You know, immigration has been encouraged, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of America's history. I mean, like you in know, the past, are you talking about slaves in the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That no, and, I'm talking about give was... me your huddled masses. <laughs> you know, you're poor. You oh know? yeah, as long as you're white. Well, yeah. for a lot, for a while, Irish people weren't even considered white. Right? It's true. It's right? true. The Which Protestant, is... whatever, Catholic is so funny. Um, I was gonna say something. I forgot what it was. Damn you, Orson's forty-two. <laughs> Orson's forty-two. Um, I just think it's interesting that America is an immigrant nation, right? 
Well, what nation is it? Oh, a fly. <laughs> uh, there's a bug in here. Right now, I'm going to go catch it. Oh, um, looks like it got caught in the web. Nope. I think um, Australia is kind of an interesting place because we're a nation of immigrants, 100%. Well, besides the indigenous. Mm. Um, but nation of outcasts. Culturally, we're kind of a mishmash of British and American. Because obviously we have the British colonial heritage, but 20th century onwards, more aligned with US in many ways. Um, and I think we were still kind of shocked with Brexit and with, or with ex-Brit, as Rowan said, episode one. <laughs> Ex-Brit. He had a bit of gin as well. Oh, dangerous. <laughs> um, and we were obviously shocked when Trump was elected. Because where no, I, I really felt when Trump was elected, I was I, I didn't I, I, I don't I don't normally have premonitions, but I kind of felt like he was going to win. You did? I did. I, I this was because s- of Brexit. Brexit. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, I think in, I mean I maybe it was just me feeling weird, but like you know, in retrospect, it's exactly the same forces at, at work, isn't yeah. it? So. It is. It is. Yeah. But I was burned so, already. So for us in Australia, it was midday. I was watching the election results live. And I remember the exact moment I saw the worm. We call it the worm in Australia after um, approval ratings mm-hmm. as, it, as it crawls across. I, I can still vividly remember the exact moment when Hillary Clinton was at 80% chance winning. Trump is at 20. I think this was on maybe CNN or NBC or something. The exact moment, it was like 1.15 p.m. or something. It started switching. And Trump crawled up and then they crossed. And I was like, what is happening? What yeah. is happening? I I screenshotted that moment because it was, un, it was literally unbelievable. I felt my dad. I had the on the on our forty inch TV. I had um the live stream, and on my laptop, I was like getting all the news portals open, and then like half an hour into the coverage, my dad came downstairs, turned the TV on, and was like, "I can't take this anymore," because <laughs> yeah. we were like we couldn't right. believe it. Um, but I guess we kind of already saw it happen with Brexit. And um, it's, it's a real turning point right now. Um, Australia is still, like, with Australian politics, it's kind of boring, which I think is what you want in politics. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Yeah. I think that's been the case with British politics for a long time. And this is the most interesting thing that's happened in British politics right. in my lifetime, easily. Yeah, sure. You know. Like, you want boring politics. And if you ask me about American politics, I would definitely not call it boring. No. Yeah, and, and, like, I'm interested in American politics because it's interesting, <laughs> right? And because, yeah, we watch we watch it because the coverage is ridiculous. You know, we love it because it's you know we it's 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 drama. It's like the what it's like the West Wing for real, but yeah. like, but except depressing because <laughs> it's real. <laughs> but um, yeah, because like we, we had our elections recently, local elections and, and federal elections. We've had how many prime ministers in how many years? Four, 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 four years or something. Four for four. Um, and. It's like, actually Obama said this about Trump. He was like, "This is the first election." Like even when he was running as Mitt Romney, right? He was like, "Even if Mitt won, <laughs> things would have been okay." Yeah, he still would have felt it would have been in okay hands. Yeah, but this was like two completely polarizing figures. Yeah. Mm. Um. If only, if only we had the burn. The burn, I feel it. Feel the burn. Feel so, something he did the other day, which is is kind of anecdotal, but I think is at really the heart of like where people should 
move on from there instead of being like, why if we'd only done this better or right. like if you know we hadn't been so corrupt and blah 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 and yeah. this and that like if we had done this campaign better, um, like that's all good and fine, but uh, what we can do now is talk to other people. Um, yeah. something he did recently, which I thought was really cool. Wait, you um, talking about Obama or Bernie? Uh, Bernie. 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 Uh, he did like a town hall kind of thing on some news channel in the U.S. Uh, where he went to, where was it, Minnesota, Michigan? Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Yeah, it's like the same thing. But, uh, <laughs> Corn country. <laughs> um, but he, he, went, he went there and uh, at some, like, uh, what is it called? Uh, Union Hall. Okay. Uh, had a bunch of regular average Joes from the area come in. Um, uh from both sides uh, of the political spectrum. Mm. Uh, but he talked specifically to people who voted Trump, whether yeah. they uh, definitely agreed with him or they didn't like Hillary or they, in the past, like a lot of these people voted uh, for Obama both times. But this time they, they completely went the other way. Um, and if you look at, uh, I mean, like in most, I mean, like, I guess I can only speak for the, western world i'm putting air quotes up western world um you see you see this problem like this this problem the social problem where there's this complete polarized opposite end of the spectrum right. type of thing going on um where Extreme both ends. sides are afraid yeah um both sides have negative uh ways that they are reacting to it but, but both sides are afraid and both sides have legitimate fears yeah um all the people that voted for Trump or voted for Brexit uh, have legitimate fears. Um, I'm not necessarily about, about uh, migrants and people that are different. Um, mm. That I feel like that is a complete scapegoat. Um, but they are in a hard place economically. And yeah. they, they are in a culture be, that's yeah. changing and they don't understand it necessarily all the time or it's changing in a way that doesn't include them. Yeah. Um, and uh and that's something that needs needs to be addressed um yeah. and like people shouldn't necessarily have political arguments but, but just, just talk discount, about then, like yeah. oh like ask the question why yeah why why do you why do you feel this what made you feel this way how um, does that make you feel how does it make you feel <laughs> i think a phrase gets thrown around a lot regarding this these people who feel disenfranchised is like they've been left behind by globalization hmm. Like people like you know us three, we're millennials. We live in foreign countries. We're very hashtag blessed, you know, to be exposed to different cultures, different worldviews. But not everyone has that opportunity. Um, and so you, you know, we kind of it's very easy to demonize or vilify these Trump supporters, air quotation marks, which a lot of people were Trump supporters. They just were. voted for Trump. <laughs> Just, I, the, I wasn't, the bitterness in no. Sam's face right now is amazing. I wasn't I wasn't a Hillary supporter, but I voted for Hillary. Yeah, yeah. I, I was a Bernie supporter. Right. Well, but, the DNC just screwed themselves over in that vote. Yeah. Um. So. I, I interesting question about like so, so we've kind of like we kind of started talking about language. Yeah. We talk about language quite a lot. And the trust and, and like all good conversations, all roads lead to Trump. <laughs> It's like the new... The new Caesar. The new... <laughs> oh, oh, hail Trump. 
Anyway, um, there were lots, there's been lots of discussion in like politics this year about like the influence of you know, the way we talk about politics and the way we use language to <laughs> to share news for one thing on Facebook, fake news. Blah, Shout blah, out blah, to blah, Zuckerberg, and also the way that we, you know, <laughs> how like I, I listened to a podcast recently about this. Ooh, about another podcast. What, what was the podcast? It's called Fresh Air. It's an NPR podcast. Fresh Air. NPR. Really NPR good. is legit, man. Um, they, and like they were saying that some of the most shared things on Facebook are memes now as well. Right. You know, like because it's, it shares something in a really succinct way. So like, you know, we're using language to talk about politics. We, we're all using it in a way that's new. We're not just reading the, the, the broadsheet newspaper. Mm. We're not just looking on the website that we trust. We're that's looking true. on Facebook. We're looking on other social media outlets. Um, yeah, and so we're using language in a new way to talk about politics, um, and there's no real evidence that this did influence the elections. Oh, dude, meme magic! I hundred percent believe. Do you think it? Yes, Peepy, Peppy, Pepe. He hundred percent powered Trump <laughs> to the end. Yeah. Um. Sorry. Continue, Sam. No, I'm language interested. I'm interested, like, I'm just like, how, things. so we are using language in a new way yeah, to yeah, talk yeah. about stuff. I, I feel like people, you know, average Joe type people right. um, wouldn't have used, in the UK at least, would have been very tribal in their political loyalties until the last, until the last 10 years. You know, you always vote for the same party. You don't even really, really think about it very much. Right. So, whereas now, it's just like, it's all up in the air, and we're all discussing these issues in a new way, and we're listening to these sensational stories. Yeah, sensational. And, you know, we know they're not true, or like, there's post-truth politics, or whatever it is. Oh, that kills me. Post-truth. It's not a thing. It is a thing! (laughs) So, I mean, like, the the classic... Facts don't matter anymore. The ex- uh, we don't. We're sick of sh- we're sick of hearing from experts. You're right, it Nigel Farage. Shouldn't be a thing though. No one wants to hear from experts anymore. So you have like the the, so the claim that 350 million pounds extra is going to be spent on the NHS if we leave the European Union, which has been categorically proved to be like a lie. Just literally a lie. Literally a lie. <laughs> I I did not, see a, a great a great thing. He, someone had edited the picture to put the real like we'll yeah. be 10 billion pounds worse <laughs> off if we leave the EU. Or Trump saying that the uh, elections are completely rigged, and then he and then wins. he wants, <laughs> and then it, then he believes He's in the like, power of American oh. democracy. <laughs> Anyway, oh, so frustrating. So like we like language doesn't has is language more powerful or less powerful? Is it like less powerful because we don't believe it to be true, or more powerful because it doesn't matter if it's true? Oh, it's getting too real in here. I don't know. Too um, real. Well, these hmm. these are the questions we ask at Gin and Topic, and these are the questions we want to hear from you, listeners. <laughs> Help us. If you have experience living overseas, speaking different languages, opinions on Trump, Brexit. Give, give us an email or a tweet at... Actually, we do have an email. It's ginandtopicpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, what was that again for the listeners at home? I, I'm pretty sure this is what it is. Ginandtopicpodcast at gmail.com. All one word. All one word. Interesting thoughts from different perspectives. Australian, British, yeah. American. I look forward to doing this again. Unfortunately, probably not with Ryan because he lives far away. And see how it is. Uh, but 
any any last thoughts guys think you want to wrap up i think it's Language is language is powerful. Language is powerful. Language is powerful. More powerful 2017 than... is close. <laughs> Why won't this year just end? <laughs> I think language is more powerful than we give give it credit for. So we have to know what, true. what we say. Maybe. Uh, I. Oh. It's true. I'm I'm especially thankful for language as it is the reason I am in Germany studying linguistics. Deutschland. And I hope to make money from it someday. Someday. All right, this is Gin and Topic. I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Sam. Thanks for listening. Cue theme music. <laughs> <laughs>